0: Welcome to the Tree Church Bible Study. My name is Chris Reed, and I am the Director of Biblical Education here at the Tree. And it's my honor and privilege to be able to host this podcast and to bring you one chapter of the Bible every single week. And so that's what we do here. We break down one chapter of the Bible, and we're currently going through the book of James, and we're actually going to be wrapping that up today. We've got a great conversation for you, so please stay tuned after this message from Tree Church.
1: Being a successful parent can feel really hard. On top of correcting behaviors and growing knowledge, Parents also have a responsibility to cultivate the moral development of their children. But how do children develop morality? Understanding this question can make you a better parent. During this workshop, we will discuss the stages of moral development, and we will also look at how moral reasoning may be informing our children's behaviors. Parenting Workshop 22.3 is coming up on October 29th at 10 a.m. Childcare is provided, but you do need to sign up. You can do so on the Tree Church app.
0: Welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. Really glad to be back with you, and we are just processing through one book, one chapter at a time every single week, and so really glad you joined us today. Today, we are going to be talking through James chapter 5. We're getting ready to close out the book of James, which is, it feels like it's it's gone so fast. We were just kind of talking about it ahead of time. It, it's just kind of flown by. And today, we're joined by Tiffany Folk, who is the director of Tree Church Kids. How are you doing today?
1: Good. Good. Thank you.
0: Good. Glad to have you back on the show. And uh, Pastor Matthew Johnson, lead pastor of the Tree Church. Glad to have you back again. Yeah, I'm glad to be here with two of my favorite people in the world. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, that's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> he said awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so typically we start the show with just a few quick questions. Lately I've been trying to go to something a little bit different. We play, we're not really playing a game. There's no points, no winners. But we're just asking the the would you rather questions. So just trying to get just some interesting nonsensical things out there um i think last time i asked them would you rather be punched or punch someone
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a you know what that will say a lot about someone's personality <laughs> uh, did we, anyone say they'd rather be punched than punch uh, someone no i would say there like, was that, that's probably the spiritual answer but man i don't know that it there was some similar. like
0: i think the general consensus was that the situation would define our <laughs> answer to that so <laughs> Not biblically. Not, no, <laughs> no, situational ethics. That's yeah, what we right, teach here. Exactly. So, um, so today's first question is: Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader for the rest of your life?
2: <laughs> I already re- uh, breathe like Vader. I mean, I'm, I'm such a mouth breather. I'm, that's why I said. Yeah, I'm so heavy breathing. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm already comfortable with that. So yeah. I'd, I'd say that because I don't want to talk like Yoda. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah, that one's an easy one for me. Yeah. Um, would you
0: rather experience the world beginning? Or the world ending? Oh.
2: I think ending because I think that means Jesus is coming back. Right. You know, that, that makes me sound like I'm trying to do you know, church talk here. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, the end. And even the end because, um, I mean, Revelation, the way it describes it, like it feels like it's going to be a show. <laughs> That's not a great way to word it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to watch, yeah. And, and I feel like I don't know if this is even true. I really don't know that. My kids have asked me this, and I don't know if it's true. Like, will there be museums in heaven, or some way to experience like what happened on Earth? Yeah, I wonder. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. If you're in heaven, like, are we going to be able to say, like, go to a theater or just some type of experience where show us creation, show us the fall, show us like all these different events, or will our time on Earth just be like a past uh, experience or not? But uh, anyway, I don't know why I went to that direction, but no, good answer.
1: Oh, I don't know, I. I think that indeed feels stressful to me <laughs> with all of it. Like when Revelation talks about stuff, I'm like, oh. So I would say the beginning, <laughs> but yeah. I would want to see Jesus though. So yeah.
2: You said yeah. the beginning, like that's not stressful, man. You're like, I know. don't eat of the tree. I know. Don't do it. <laughs> I no, I was gonna say
1: we think it's like not stressful because we know it, but it probably was so stressful too. So.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I, okay, so this is there's a book in the Narnia series. It's the very first book. Um, it's called The Magician's Nephew, and he, it's written by C.S. Lewis. He writes this creation story into how Narnia is created, and this—it's just this whole idea of this of this song that plays, this song that's emanating from the God figure Aslan, mm-hmm. um, and and it just talks about how he paints this picture with this song of of like how things were created. So he sings one note. And all of these flowers sprout up, and he sings this other note, and all of these different, and so like I just kind of imagine that creation, kind of. I know this is not, this is not reality, but or whatever, mm-hmm. but, but like just that concept plays in my mind, and it makes cre- seeing the creation of the world something super interesting to me. So like yeah. I would love, as much as I'm looking forward to being with Christ in the culmination of all things, like I think. I think witnessing like God speaking mm-hmm. and things coming mm-hmm. to be and like all of that, like I think that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah.
2: So. I read a, um, a different book. So I, this is one of those topics that, that people are super passionate about. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous sometimes even talk about it because I'm like I don't I'm not up for the fight. Yeah, but you know the younger Earth, older argument. yeah, yeah, uh, argument, um, and. For me, I've read books on both of them, and both accounts and both perspectives really bring me to worship. So uh-huh. like whether it's the the young earth in the sense of it's a literal six days of creation and just what that would be like. I mean, all the things that would have to happen in that short of time. But then I have to be honest when I read the accounts of what people believe is, is an older creation, older earth. Mm-hmm that brings me to worship the idea that like in the beginning of like what you know science would say the big bang but we would know that's the moment where god spoke uh, where he put things into motion in each period of time that played out from like you know the way that the galaxy worked and then it allowed for the earth to be created and then mm-hmm. like life and different things were able and then he would speak into the next season like to me i was like oh that is such mm-hmm. a cool view you know what i mean so if i yeah. could almost watch the time lapse mm-hmm. of that you know, experience, I think that would just be the coolest deal. Yeah.
0: And I think you hit really really on the head of what Genesis 1 is supposed to do. It's Mm -hmm. it's supposed to bring us to worship. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, last one, would you rather have more
2: time or more money? Money. And I'm not even a person that cares about money. I want to go to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds bad. I am so tired of... A broken world I really am I'm I'm not jaded by life I have like the most blessed life I love my life I am so looking forward to heaven Um, these are like not supposed to be probably these types of questions I'm probably (laughs) ruining this game (laughs) let's (laughs) frame it this way let's frame it this way
0: would you have would you rather have more money available to you in this life or would you rather have more time available to you in this life like Like the the freedom to do essentially what you want to do
2: I thought you meant like a longer No, no 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 okay yeah Um, yeah, then time I would go Mm -hmm. to time. Like I I do feel like the unfortunate part of our reality is just time feels like it's, it's a premium. Yeah. Um, and here's the one thing as a parent, I, it it feels like it just gets busier and busier. And in some sense I enjoy it because I, I, like my kids are doing things and they're loving it. I'm, I'm engaging them, but there's also a part of me that's looking forward to when their lives can settle down and we can just spend more time together. And maybe that's naive. Like when we're empty nesters, maybe we won't have all that time together. But I know like if there was one benefit of the COVID season, it was the amount of time we got to spend together. Like forced chill time at home was like super special to Mary and me. Like we we actually said like we enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say time, and especially with a kid, like I wish I could slow time down and Mm -hmm. spend more time with Brantley in certain seasons. So yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. How old is Brantley now? Nine. See, that's crazy to me. He's almost a decade. Like I know. That's crazy. Because yeah, that, really, that time does go yeah, so, so fast. fast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: And it's true. Like, when they start sports and all that stuff, it's just so fast. Yeah. It keeps going faster. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I, money. I, I just want more money. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, time has always been my thing. Like, I... I so love experiencing things. Mm-hmm. Like I I love experiencing things and so having the freedom to experience kind of w- what stirs my heart is mm-hmm. is the big thing for me. Like money's never been like the the thing that I've desired. Right. Um time is like yeah. having the freedom to do the things that i want yeah. to do um
2: and, and, and money would be nice in the sense of it, it allow w- you some of that right if yeah. you could just remove any stress from money and bills so that you can be more fully present in time yeah i think in that sense like in some ways both of these would be payoffs yeah. more time obviously is a payoff more money allowing you to to be more fully present that would be good but yeah i don't have any desire like I, when I see all these celebrities buying 40 cars, like I can't even relate no. to that. To me, yeah. I'm like, no. that just seems so stupid to me. Yeah, but yeah. to have the the money to be able to, to
0: do what you want when you want yeah, to. Yeah, to go on not, vacations yeah. and have experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Well, that kind of moves us into um, our chapter for today because... Uh, we talk about the rich. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about the rich, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to pick up in James chapter five. Let's pick up in verse one, and I'm going to read a chunk and then we'll stop and we'll talk about it a little bit. So... Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. James is, (laughs) we said this multiple times, James is intense. James does not pull punches. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. They have laid up treasure in the last days, or you have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back, By fraud are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Okay, so... (laughs) As
2: James is wrapping this up, he's like, oh yeah, one more thing. You rich people.
0: Yeah, so... He, he's he's getting into this this idea of and he's he's really kind of laid it out throughout the whole the whole of the book it, but he's talking about this idea of of pursuing earthly treasure uh, above and beyond um at the expense of i would even yeah, say at the expense uh, yeah, of yeah at the expense of um heavenly treasure i.e. I- I- having faith in Jesus being faithful to Jesus caring for the poor the widow um and and so James, essentially, he's painting this picture. He's saying, like, we're to a day now where that those choices are going to come to a head. It's going to mm-hmm. come to fruition. And and he likens them to he likens them to fattened calf, right. fattened calves, which is what being led away to slaughter slaughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's like, you are primed to be eaten. Yeah. <laughs> and so James does not parse words of of what it means to pursue Jesus versus pursue wealth. That makes me ask the question of this. We know that God provides for us financially. We know that finances are and can be a useful tool in the kingdom of God, that money is a part of our lives and that we cannot avoid uh, money and, and 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 we've even mentioned in past podcasts that it's not a problem to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. Right. How does wealth become a problem?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think James, uh, a simple reminder to everyone is he didn't write. <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> he didn't write in chapters and verses. Right, right this right. is one document. If you look at what we have in chapter four, this is somewhat a continuation of that in the sense that. He was talking about how how envy and and that mindset where you're you're lusting after things and desiring things how it can lead to very destructive behavior so it's a continuation of this when when wealth becomes like where you're just looking at things that other people have because let's be honest even like i referenced this earlier in the fun questions when you look at celebrities and they're buying stuff a lot of that is the only reason they're doing that is not, it's not for practicality, it's not for functionality. Like it's it's oftentimes because they've seen someone else do it and they're mimicking a behavior or trying to take it up the next level. Like why why does any person have a 15,000 square foot home? right? right. Like it, Like those things, it's because they're looking at someone else and so like when you have a mindset that is envious, that's jealous, that's desiring to better someone else and just to accumulate more, your, your heart goes to a place of destruction. And that's what he's talking about is they, they received their wealth through ill-gotten gain by on the backs of other people mm-hmm. because they were so consumed by this illusion that money's going to provide for them something and satisfy them. And yet it's it's this reality is they never get satisfied. Right. And that is the danger of pursuing wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like where, where Paul and, uh, and Timothy says um, that the... Uh, the love of money is a root of all kinds of mm-hmm. evil. And many people have, it basically, I'm summarizing, he says many people have have destroyed their lives in pursuit of money, the love of money. Money's not the root of all kinds of evil, it's the love of money. Mm-hmm. and And so that's what James is just basically rebuking them to get their attention, to say, like, you're pursuing something that's never going to satisfy. The way that you're going about it is destroying people, and then one day you're going to give an account mm-hmm. before God and discover all of this was not only pointless but all of this was destructive mm-hmm. and sinful and dishonoring to God. So
0: yeah, it, it, and I just listened to a podcast on many of the things that you just talked about, but it, this this guy was talking about in his book this idea of we buy more things because it creates a status in our minds. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people do not look at our our stuff and, and they don't they don't regard we think they regard us when they look at our stuff right. mm-hmm. they're really just admiring the stuff mm-hmm. right. like so we don't gain anything from yeah. having more possessions having nicer possessions and in regards to the things that we think it doesn't provide a status mm-hmm. it doesn't provide us a better outlook from other people but then also too like that that the idea of will we ever have enough is that question is never answered mm-hmm. right it, it, like it, wh- or what is enough?
2: That, that's never answered. And so, yeah. And the, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Now, I was just saying, like, there's a, in chapter five, there's like five or six different times that James' writing very much reminds me of other passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it, and you wonder what was like conversations amongst mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. that influenced their writing. Cause like you can see in his writings things that, that John says in the book of Revelation. Like, I can see things where he's talking about what his half brother Jesus would have said. Uh, and there's just, like, a few other things, but, like, when he's talking right here, it reminds me of Revelation 3 in the Church of Laodicea, where, he, you know, he's saying, like, you think you have these things, and so therefore you're blessed and life mm-hmm. is good. The reality is, it's not. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Church in Laodicea, it, the, John, uh, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is confronting them, saying, like, here's what you say. Yeah. You say, and they, they took confidence in their, their medical industry and the, the salve that they would have for their eyes and mm-hmm. in their wealth and in their fabrics. And he's like, you think you're great in all these areas, but you're actually blind, cold, wretched, naked. Like he, and he says, he challenged them, buy gold from me, buy silver from me, mm-hmm. uh, that you might be purified. And it's like, and it also reminds me, like when Jesus talks about the, the rich fool is what it's called in the parable mm-hmm. where, you know, people come to Jesus and they're like, hey, make my brother give me my portion of the inheritance. And he goes, let me just tell you this parable. And he goes, this guy had this the best crop he's ever had in his life. And so he goes, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll tear down all my barns and I'll build bigger barns and then fill them. And then I'm just going to live life in luxury. And he goes, you fool, that night you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And then who's going to get you that stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the theme of wealth that we have to remember all earthly wealth mm-hmm. it will one day be destroyed mm-hmm. or passed on to the next generation and that's the the irony of it is like accumulate 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 and then what yeah you're, you're, you're someone else is gonna is gonna take it and so what the the tension is wealth in and of itself is not bad but when wealth leads you away from having heavenly treasures mm-hmm. of investing in heaven um, then that's when it becomes a problem and, and i'll say one last quick thing is like and i don't if my mom happens to listen to this uh, she'll understand this but um, my mom, like this was many years ago, she said to like, uh, my brothers, I have two brothers. She said, you guys can look through like basically anything in my house and just let me know what you want, like earmark it, And you can have it like when she passes someday. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> and uh, my brothers were like, yeah, we're good. And, and I think it probably bummed her out initially. Yeah. And then our, our spouses are like, well, hold up. You know, we, there's things that we like to do. But what I realized, I'm not emotionally connected at all to, um, to stuff to, stuff, to, yeah. to like um, furniture and things mm. like that um, but I just that is a very vivid thought to me is all the stuff that we spend so much time accumulating mm-hmm. the next mm-hmm. generation might not care at all about yeah. it and uh,
0: so it, so it's a it's a it's, it's a thing that almost like sneaks up on us though I think because it, it can be a tricky like like you said with revelation he's like you're missing it you think right. you have this but so how do we recognize that wealth has become, has become that problem for us, and are there preventative things that we can do to fix it, Tiff?
1: Yeah, I th- so I think when it starts to control you, so when you that's all you think about, you think about your next purchase, you think about your next way to get money. I think when it starts to control you, you start to recognize, wait a second, it's this is out of control. Yeah, and when you have bills that you can't pay and stuff like that, and so I think the way you have to fix it is you have to go to God with your money. Like tithe, I think is so important because then you're really giving your 10% to God. So you're like, okay, I'm going to give him what I need to give him. Mm-hmm. And then the next, you know, you can go through the next things. I mean, you still struggle with wanting the next big thing, but I think it helps you when you mm-hmm. tithe because it, it puts that perspective on your money of it's God's first. And
2: sure. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I, I think <clears throat> the the way that we can tell it's becoming unhealthy is when our money and the way that we think about it and spend it starts to have comp like can compete with what God has commanded us to do so mm-hmm. like if I'm finding it hard to honor God in my finances then I something's broken in my finances mm-hmm. in my way I'm thinking about it if if I'm finding it hard to be generous uh, with people and, and in situations then I know something's broken the way that God this is what this is the the irony and this is the the tension of faith, the way that God gives us to break that hold in our life is by giving money, which is counterintuitive, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, right. in our minds, like, oh, I will, when I get enough money, then I will break the hold that money has on me. Mm-hmm. And God goes, no, that's an illusion. That's not going to happen. <laughs> right. What you do is you give to God first. What yeah. Tiff's talking about, you're the 10%. This is why God implemented tithe. God's never needed anything. Right. Right. The way that I've said to our church is, if you have the ability to speak everything out of nothing, you'll never be in need of anything. So right. God has never had a downturn economy uh, in the kingdom of God. So when God commands tithing, it's for us. Right. And so like this right. is what he says like in, in all the different passages, you want to break the hold you have to then give to God. Mm-hmm. And when you give to God, it does multiple things. When you give to God faithfully, like give the first 10% of of your gross, you know, we always have this this conversation. But that's the beginning point. Like if you're if you're stopping at ten percent, so if you're writing the check to the penny, just know this, you're, that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to go above and beyond in offerings and generosity with other people. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, what you're telling your heart is, I believe God is my provision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing it does is it it's reminding your heart. Second thing, it's inviting God's supernatural blessing into your mm-hmm. finances. But the third thing that, that it does by, by giving is it should force you to discipline. Mm-hmm. It, and so like for, for Mary and me, we, we have a conviction. So we, we always give at least 20%, like we have for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, and actually we've been married 20 years and I think all but a couple of years we've given 20%. That's not everyone else's conviction, that's our conviction. But in order to do that, we've had to budget to mm-hmm. do that. So we budget for that, we budget for for generosity. So like Mary numerous times has bought people's groceries in the grocery store because they don't have the money, whatever. And she'll just, you know, put her card and I've done that. Mm-hmm. We give generously to other people, but we budget for it. Mm-hmm. So I can't just spend stupidly and go like, God, figure it out, right? Right. right. And so like I think that's the, the part of it is you have to be purposed in your finances to break the hold. It will not naturally happen. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And and
0: James here, so he's talking about riches and we we've talked about this idea of of being purposed in Counteracting that, James is now going to talk about why it's important that we counteract that. He he kind of mentioned it that we're coming to a day where um, our decisions are going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's going to come to a head, and 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 things are going to culminate. He's going to continue on now and talk a little bit about um, the importance of patient endurance because he's writing to Christians who have money in in this place, and so he's right. he's instructing them. And the hope is that they'll repent and continue faithfully in their, in their walk with God. So this is what he says in verse seven, be patient, therefore brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So, James goes on here, and, and this is something that the early church held to consistently. Was that that Christ was going to return and that all things would be made right, mm-hmm. and so like this was the promise of of promises that Jesus left with his disciples and got passed through the early church. So um, this is typically called uh, the eschaton. Es- mm-hmm. e- eschatology is is the right. the study of the end things, and so this is what um, James is referring to and. And a lot of times in the church, they they thought that this could be at any moment, and, and the church often operated that this could happen at any moment. Right, yeah. And and so this was an important promise to the church that they held to con- consistently. So why would this promise be so important to the church, and why does James emphasize that, that we need to shape our lives around it?
2: The context of eternity is everything to understanding Scripture. Yeah. Um, so years ago, I was working out with a friend of mine. Um, he was a, a pastor, uh, and we were we were talking about things. And he he shared a sermon with me that forever changed my perspective of ministry. So this is probably 13 years, 14 years ago, maybe. Okay. And in the sermon, it was another pastor. I couldn't even tell you the pastor at this point. I don't even know. I, I just remember listening to it. And he said one of the mistakes that the church makes is it doesn't stress eternity enough. It doesn't even the reward of eternity. He's saying sure. like that it's going to be we're going to be blessed and we do stuff now for that blessing he goes we've almost bought into this poverty mindset that we can't celebrate the blessings of god and we have to just do this because it's the right thing to do and he's like look at scripture like the context for which god commanded israel so like the the one-year study practically we did in deuteronomy (laughs) what was the common theme of god's promise of blessing Mm -hmm. obedience blessing Mm -hmm. obedience blessing Uh, And so Jesus, the the foundation of his teaching was that same concept that there's going to be an eternity, there will be blessing, this is what God does. When we lose sight of eternity, Scripture no longer makes sense. Even Paul says that. Paul says if there's no resurrection, and what he's talking about is resurrection into eternity to live forever. He goes, if there is no resurrection you should just party right now. You should Mm -hmm. make the most of this life. You should not live sacrificially. You should, because there's no, like, this is all that life has to offer. Mm -hmm. So if there is no eternity, this sounds awful. You should be selfish, right? Right? Like Mm -hmm. to you and yours. Um, I'm not saying like, that's the best way to live with everyone else, but if if there's no eternity, then to some degree, I should make the most for my family, Mm -hmm. my friends, my life, and focus on myself. But because there is an eternity, and my behavior impacts what I'm going to experience in eternity, then I can live differently. And that's what James is reminding everyone of, is like, if you don't have this mindset, then nothing makes sense. So like, you know, calling to sacrifice, calling to forgive, calling to love, none of that makes sense. But because of an eternity that is provided by Jesus and what his work on the cross, that should change everything. So like even when he tells them like not to grumble, the reason brothers, and and when he's using the term brothers, he's talking like spiritual families. The reason we shouldn't grumble is we're going to spend eternity together. Like eternity removes all of the, it should, all of the tension amongst Mm -hmm. Christians Right, because we go, you know what? I don't have to hate you i don't need to be mad like we have the same hope it's all in context going to work out we need to address issues we need to you know work to resolution but it unites us
1: mm-hmm. i agree
2: do you think that we've lost that perspective and uh and, the, uh, and we lose that promise 100 mm-hmm. percent because we're a consumer culture yeah. um in a consumer culture it, it turns it around and makes us god because in a consumer culture, we've been we have been trained that because we have money, we're the consumer. Like because we have money, people are now going to compete for our mm-hmm. money, and this is what big business and businesses have trained us in. And you're the customer. You have money. You're the mm-hmm. consumer. I want to make you happy. So it's this weird dynamic that our culture says: in order to get your money, I have to convince you that that this product is going to make your life better so more is better but in the same sense because you're the customer i'm really going to try to make you happy and then we become god and Mm -hmm. but then the temporary becomes what we're consumed by we're captivated by the urgent we're captivated by the now because this is what the world in which we live and so like it is hard for people to have delayed gratification Mm -hmm. nowadays like i mean especially we were just talking about this in the office our toaster here in the church (laughs) went out right it like it like you push it down, it doesn't work. And and we had bagels today, Some, one of our staff members brought in bagels for everyone. And so like we're putting it in and like one side kind of works, one doesn't. So our, our immediate response is like, we just need a new one, uh, which is true, like it's not working. Molly goes, okay, I'm gonna order a new one. And she goes, guys, it's gonna be delivered today. And we all just start talking about Amazon, like yeah. what are they, like reading our minds? Like yeah. this is so crazy. So we now can have a new toaster today Mm -hmm. delivered to us Mm -hmm. i don't have to go to the store to get it right that's what we're trained in Mm -hmm. the now right now Mm -hmm. if i want something i want it now i want my gratification now and so yes we are losing sight of we are called to sacrifice now life can still be good but we're called to lay things down now with the promise of reward in eternity Mm -hmm. and and we can never lose sight of that we will be rewarded so when jesus talks about laying up treasures in heaven the, the reality, and I don't fully understand this, I, not enough to even properly teach this, but not every single person is going to experience the same eternity. There are going to be rewards and levels, in, if I understand Scripture correctly, in heaven based on what we do now. Sure. And so like, I, and that's the, again, I'm, I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but like You're I can get passionate about this <laughs> topic. But like in this, I, I think we lose sight of, like, so like right now, if I were to say to you, like even investing for retirement, um, you know, you want to make a wise investment because your retirement could potentially be 20, 30, if you live really, really long, 40 years, you know. Yeah. But yet what we're talking about is eternity. Mm-hmm. So my experience in eternity, I want to live in such a way now to to receive all that God wants to offer me for eternity, not yeah. 10 years, 20 years, yeah. for eternity, right? Right, right. And, uh, and then also, the last thing I'll say for this, <laughs> in, in context of eternity, Big things here become very, very small. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. like the pain I have now, I'm not saying the pain's not not real now. Right. It doesn't hurt now. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But in context of eternity, I realize it's small. Mm-hmm. Right. The the selfish things I want now, what matters to me now, in context of eternity, becomes really small. Right. In my life, it's bigger. Right. The bigger eternity gets, the smaller percentage it is. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Paul
0: even says that in Romans, he says these are light and momentary struggles. Let let's be real. There were people being thrown in prison there were being yeah. people fed to like yeah. to the, the gladiator games and whatnot like very life very real life and de- death things and Paul
2: goes in in light of eternity right these things are minuscule. yeah so so Paul's language there where he says light momentary troubles we can't forget in Corinthians he talked about five times I was beaten right. I've been shipwrecked I've been naked, mm-hmm. I've been cold, I've been hungry like what he describes is an awful existence. Right? right? I mean, like, right. he's like, my own people have turned against me, like, I have stress, I have anxiety at times because I'm concerned about the church, I've I had, like, legit physical beatings. So the beatings he had was the same, Jesus was whipped, and we know how graphic and, and gruesome mm-hmm. that was. Paul had that five times, mm-hmm. um, shipwrecked, and, you know, all those different things. And Paul goes, he's not being um, falsely humble. You know, some people are like, oh, it's no big deal. That, right. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, in light of eternity. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why these are light and momentary problems. Mm-hmm. Like I still don't like these moments, but in light of eternity. And even Paul, I mean imagine his moment as he transitioned mm-hmm. from from this life and he was the one who said like to be absent from the body is to be present with the right. Lord. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that moment where Paul all of a sudden he is face to face with mm-hmm. Jesus and realizes I will never again suffer. Mm-hmm. I will never again have mm-hmm. a sad thought or moment in my life. I am eternally secure like like, I'm, I have chills right now thinking about that moment. And that's what—I'm not trying to sound overly spiritual. That is the context for my life. It's yeah. like every time someone—like my best friend, his father just died. I just found out yesterday, my best oh, friend growing man. up, uh, Carol. Uh, his father said, wonderful pastor. I, and I don't even know any details. I, I'm sad to know this. His brother, who I'm friends with on Facebook, posted about it. But I also thought in the moment—so I, I texted Carol last night and I said, I am so sorry for your loss. I, I am praying for you and your family his response to me was, thank you, God is good. And I was like, that perspective only makes sense because of eternity, right? Right. right? Like he's able to celebrate, his dad's in heaven. Right. right? Yeah, do they miss him? Absolutely, I mean, wonderful man of God. They miss him, but they know, I'm going to see him again. Yeah. I'm going to be with him, and he's not suffering. And I'm assuming he had a sickness. I'm just making that assumption based on some of the context of, of what I can understand. So if he had a sickness and he was dying, that's gone. Mm-hmm. And now he's in heaven for eternity. And like, that's what I, I long for.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, one of the big questions that always comes up when we're talking about these types of things, one of the big questions that even the church wrestled with was the idea— and, and you see it in James's language—the idea of— um, be ready now. Mm-hmm. Jesus is coming back at any moment, but he also is calling them to be patient. He's calling mm-hmm. them to wait. He's calling them to um, ju- just kind of be ready. Oftentimes when we get into conversations about eternal things, we get into conversations about the end times, we start to get into some really weird things. like The book of Revelation gets—people have a lot of different thoughts right. and theories on on what that is. Why does the when question become so important to us? Because James, I think, is going to focus on the the how we wait, but I think a lot of times our focus is the, the how long do we have to wait and when when is it going to happen, and can we figure it out type of thing. Why do you think that that question is so interesting to us?
2: Yeah, I mean, my best guess is just because, one, because Scripture talks about it. So, like, Scripture gives us enough that I think— the misunderstanding is we think scripture was given to us to figure out the date. And yet Jesus himself says, no one knows the date. So yeah. it, we, that's the, that's the, the one verse that we need to read revelation through <laughs> filter it through is like, mm-hmm. it wasn't given to us to create some timeline. Like you made a joke about it recently uh, when you were preaching on a Sunday, you were like, whenever we talk about revelation, typically someone starts pulling out a chart, right? Yeah, and then right, like, right. people want to figure it out. And you're like, why is that? I, I think to some degrees, because people have done that. And we are trying to figure out the mystery but I, I also think part of it, I wouldn't say in a redemptive way, is there is the longing of our heart yeah. for the return of sure. our Savior. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I long for that. My son asked me yesterday. Uh, he just We were driving, and he, uh, we were just talking before the we started recording. My kids were asking me all kinds of questions, right? Like they were in that <laughs> season of life where it's just like the most random things. But he asked me, he said, Dad, when do you think Jesus will come back in our lifetime? And I said, son, I really have no idea. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, why do some people think he da- is? And I was like, every generation since he left has thought he's coming mm-hmm. back in their generation. I... I am genuinely longing for Christ's return. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll get emotional thinking about it. Like, I have such a good life, and I want my kids to experience life. And, and I remember as a kid, I, I was like, I didn't want Jesus to come back because I wanted to get right. married. I wanted to experience some stuff. Um, but now I have a better understanding. Like, I'm so worn out of sin. I'm worn yeah. out of people hurting and suffering. Um, and yet, in the same moment, like, there's still people I want to see saved. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like— so there's part of me that's like, I don't want Christ to return because like, I want to go and I honestly like, I hope this doesn't come across arrogant. I want to spend my entire life trying to save people, you know, like, like working for that because it's like every day that he delays is another opportunity Mm -hmm. for another to be saved. Mm -hmm. But yet in the same sense, like I have this tension, like I'm tired. Yeah. Mm You know, I'm tired of like, I'm tired of doing funerals. I'm tired of people getting divorced. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of my own struggles and insecurities and anxieties and like the mm-hmm. weight of ministry. Um so you, you asked the question, why we we're trying to figure out a date. I just think it's because there's a part of us that's just like, we're so longing mm-hmm. for for this day to happen because we're we're worn out by life. Um but yeah, that's just my best guess. No,
0: I I think that's awesome. A great answer. And and I think that is I think that that is the heart of of James in calling for that patient endurance. Like we endure because that is the hope and the promise that we have. And I think, though I oftentimes, like, I, I think I get, I, when I'm reading things on Revelation, when I'm thinking about these things, I, I oftentimes, like, like let's focus on the how. But I think mm-hmm. if we forget the the promise that, that soon, the promise that it will come to pass, the promise mm-hmm. of w- what you've already talked yeah. about so much, the, the the promise of eternity, like, it makes... What we have to do here, that it makes the how possible mm-hmm. if, right. for, for lack of a better term. it's it, the
2: motivation for sure. And it, like, if you were to go left in your Bible, like just four or five pages in Hebrews eleven, where it it, it talks about all these men and women of faith, and then mm-hmm. he says, and there's like all of them, or there's like this large group that were basically operating for a, a reward that they would never see, yeah. mm-hmm. right? But in faith, they believed. And so there is—that's the tension of every generation is to play your part mm-hmm. in faithfulness for God, mm-hmm. not knowing if you will be the generation. Mm-hmm. We, we might be the generation. Like, there are very strong evidences that it could happen. Like, there's enough prophecies fulfilled that I think Christ could return at any moment, and yet it might not happen in our lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, like, that's why I tell my kids, like, it might, it might not, but we need to play our part. And mm-hmm. the part that we play, like it, it's in uh, Hebrews 11, I think it's like in the th- verses 30s or something like that. But he it, it just talks about like, there were people who were killed, there were people who gave up their life, and they just kept longing for this future reward that they wouldn't experience, but they played their part. Mm-hmm. And because of their stories, we have encouragement. Because of their stories, we have truth. And, and so that's what we need to do for the next generation mm-hmm. is we need to live in such a way that our stories can increase their faith mm-hmm. that that our convictions can help shape their understanding of what is morality and what is truth and so like we can't ever get so caught up in the date that we lose sight of our calling now mm-hmm. in the moment right. yeah well and that leads us into my
0: next question James's point is is patient endurance is what we what we do in the meantime we mm-hmm. we remain faithful Patiently through whatever it is that we're facing. Now they faced imprisonments. They they faced possible persecutions of death, and they they've, they face all different types of persecutions. Sometimes I think we we live in such a a comfortable place, mm-hmm. um, which is a blessing in a, right. so many different ways, yeah. where where we're not often persecuted in those ways. Mm-hmm. But I think. I think it removes from our mind or the urgency from us at times. Is there still a need for us to patiently endure? Mm-hmm. Is And if so, how do we do that?
1: I think there is. I mean, we have to patiently wait on God. I was just even thinking about my grandma. My grandma was such a prayer warrior, and then she got Alzheimer's and dementia. And I was just even thinking, like, the moment she got to see Jesus, mm-hmm. like the eternity <laughs> moment. But she patient, like— that we had to wait for her, so like I think it's more like for our family perspective is we had to patiently wait for her to see Jesus because she lost mm-hmm. her mind towards the end. Like she had ten years that she didn't remember things, and so I think that's that that's like the things I think of is like we have to endure. Maybe somebody has cancer, or maybe somebody mm-hmm. is you know financially. I think those things we have to endure and wait for Jesus to answer in moments like that.
0: And and, and Tiff, how can you share as well? How. How did you do that? Like, what were the ways in which, like, that? What did that look like for you guys as a family? As, as someone you loved, you you watched them suffer and you had to, you watched them go through this. Um, what were some of the things that that were your faithful responses in that time?
1: So my aunt lived close to her. My aunt is awesome, and so she would go see her, go spend time with her, even though she was not there. My uncle would go see her, and we would go see her for her birthdays, and so like. I mean the small things like that. So just remind yourself she's still there. God, she still knew God. It wasn't like she. My uncle laughed and he was like, "It's not like she's lost her faith. Like mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. still just. It's her brain isn't there." Um. So they still pers- you know, pursued mm-hmm. taking care of her. But yeah, we still and, just had to wait.
2: And in your story, I'm not. I'm not sharing sure something you'd be yeah, comfortable because no. your testimony with Absolutely. you, Nate and Brantley. Yeah. You know, th- that's what I was thinking when you said like, "We're not persecuted. We're we're not." I not to be. A prophet of doom. I do think we're going to see more persecution yeah. in mm-hmm. our lifetime. Yeah. I don't know that it will ever in America cross over to physical violence, right. but right. we are going to not be tolerated because we're not tolerated now. Like yeah. you're seeing right. more and more. But I was thinking like persecution sometimes is from an outward source. And that's that's um, inspired by demonic forces, mm-hmm. right? Against the church. So if someone is... Trying to kill the church physically—that's demonic forces. But in our own lives, we have to endure spiritual attacks mm. that sometimes have nothing to do with outside. It's just what's going on. And mm-hmm. I, I think about like what mm-hmm. you guys went through in, in your your difficult situation before you guys adopted Brantley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want you to speak to it. I, I, I think I know you're comfortable because yeah. you you've done it yeah. in front and, and many times. But like I thought, they endured during that time, and there were dramatic ups and downs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were moments of like I'm sure high faith and low faith. Mm-hmm. But I'll let you speak to that.
1: Well, when we waited, so we waited ten years, and then when we started the process, it just took a really long time for us to get Brantley. And, but even in those moments, I like you would go through moments of I don't feel worthy that God's going to answer my prayer, or God's not going to answer my prayer because of my past sin. And we were Pastor Matt and I were even talking about that yesterday, like. There was so, so many times I was like, God's not going to answer my prayer and we're not going to have a kid because I sinned. And that's not the way God works, but we right. had to endure those things and go back to God and say, okay, God's you're still good. I think that's what it is, mm-hmm. is you still have to go back and pursue God, still worship him, still talk to him and know that he's God and he's going to take care of it in his timing. But you have to trust him. Yeah. And that's the hardest part because sometimes you just Sometimes you have to be honest with God and say, I, I don't think you're going to do what you say you're going to do, But and he's good for it. It's yeah. not like he's going to be like, well, you've sinned against me, so I hate you. Yeah, he yeah. wants to talk to you, so I think that's it. You pursue him.
2: I think what she just said is is so key, because I'm still learning that. Mm-hmm. That I I almost wanted to have um, sanctified prayers. You know, mm-hmm. like I wanted my prayers to be perfect. Yeah. And I realized... All it was doing was causing me to put on a mask, even in my communication with God, mm-hmm. that I had to get comfortable saying to God, this is how I really feel. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, you, like God knows my heart. God knows that I love Him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's no doubt about that. Like, I have a hard time talking about my love of God without getting emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, God frustrates me because yeah. I don't understand his ways, mm-hmm. and and there's this verse I heard. Um, so I've read it when I was younger, but like I, I heard, it. I was on a uh, on vacation when and, um, in Michigan, Mar- Mary and I were running. This pastor was talking about, it, and he read this verse, and uh, and here's the irony again. I don't even remember the pastor. Isn't that funny? How like <laughs> it, yeah, I remember the moment. It was either Craig Rochelle or it or might have been Robert Morris, or it could have been someone different. But I was we were listening to it, and there's this story where this guy comes to Jesus, and he's in desperation for Jesus to heal his son. And and he says, if you are able, and Jesus basically goes, if I'm able, and he's like, if you have faith, like all things are possible. And the guy goes, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went, like that's that verse so registered to my heart. Mm-hmm. Of those times where I go, God, I do believe, but I have unbelief. Yeah, it's I like I know you can, and that's that's the frustration of my heart at times as I go. God, I know you can do this in a Mm -hmm. second. Like, my faith is huge. I have Mm -hmm. no doubt you can do this in a second. I don't know that I believe that you will. And that's the unbelief part where I just go, God, I don't know how to process this. And yet God's good for that. That's why I love what she said. Like, he's good for that. And I have to keep reminding myself so that I don't go to God with these mask prayers where I'm going like, let me put on the pastor face because I don't want you to get mad at me if I tell you how I really Mm -hmm. feel about you. The whole time, him... Fully discerning my heart, knowing exactly yeah. what I feel, right? Right. And so I've had to learn to go. You know what, God? I'm frustrated by that. I'm yeah. annoyed mm-hmm. by that. I've had times where I've said to God, "God, you you haven't answered the, these specific prayers that I've asked." And if I'm being honest, it is hurting my faith. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I am struggling. I'm I'm frustrated. I'm confused. Help my unbelief. Yeah. You yeah. know, help my faith because I know you're. You know, I don't want this to ever be an issue. And it's like. Then God can remind me of truth and then I it sustains mm-hmm. me for a mm-hmm. season and then there's another season I come back and I go okay God like here I am again and I, I know I you know remember where where Job says like basically an embarrassment he's like ah oh, I was awful in your presence you know like I am so sorry <laughs> yeah. I feel that way at times too yeah and yet at the end of that story of Job he goes I had heard of God but now I've seen him yeah. and that's how I feel at times Is like oh I, yeah I'm a I'm awful in your presence God I, I'm apologizing that my words are so broken and yet the outcome is in your grace i i see you again yeah. i experience you again yeah yeah I, i'm reading through the psalms
0: right now for my devotions and and that is the constant that's mm-hmm. the constant back and forth of of the psalms of god i trust you but i don't understand yeah. god protect me because i my heart's crying out that all these people are attacking me i, I feel like i'm going to die mm-hmm. but i know that you're there and i know that yeah. you're faithful and and i think is is as, as our lives undulate and we we have these ups and downs. I think there's gonna be constant pressure and constant temptation and constant Mm -hmm. those constant things that that pull us back. But what you guys said and what you shared are so powerful to um to navigate those those times so that we walk out a a patient and a or I should say remain faithful through those different Mm -hmm. times and seasons in our lives that we that we are going to face. So all right let's keep moving on to verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is actually a quote from Jesus from Matthew uh,
2: 5.33. I just heard a really good sermon on that. Yeah. (laughs) I taught on it just a few
0: weeks ago. Um, But again, the context here, it seems like he pivots, but he's, again, you, don't, you, you need to be honest because you're patiently enduring, remaining faithful yeah. to God through uh, through these tr- troubles. Yeah. Um, on to verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Thing in context of the suffering that we face in this mm-hmm. world and, and patiently enduring. Mm-hmm. James seems to, the language that he uses at times here, and, and the reason I'm gonna ask this question, it, it seems to be transactional at times. Mm-hmm. It seems that if you do this, then this happens. And 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 at times in the there there have been thoughts in the church that that if we just do this or if we just have enough faith, um, we will get the things that we're asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's called the faith healing movement or whatnot. Right. Um,
2: does James mean this transactionally? So yes and no. I mean, it's transactional in the sense that God is promising us that if we do the things He's told us to do, sure. that there's blessing. I, I think where we have to be careful is that we automatically um, we assume what the transaction is gonna look like. So what I mean by that mm-hmm. is like, I, I go to a store, I give them money, they give me my drink. I know that transaction is gonna end with me getting my drink, right? Right, right, right. It's not always that way with God. Right. So like, mm. it's it's more conceptual. I, I If I walk in obedience, I'm gonna be blessed. What does blessing look like? Mm. I don't know. So like the, the hyper faith, the word of faith movement, they go, well, the transaction is if I have faith, all sickness will be healed immediately. If mm-hmm. I have faith, I will be wealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and God doesn't necessarily always say, this is exactly how it's going to be. Right. But what we know is like what James is saying in these things is, if you will do these things, there will be a supernatural blessing upon them. So like, even with this, like, I think he's given us... What I love about James, my favorite thing about the book of James is how practical he is. Mm-hmm. So he, he he's helping us to know clearly what's expected of us, but he gives some practical steps of things we can do and I like this, he, he's basically describing the, the r- proper response for seasons. So he's like, are you suffering? Pray. Mm-hmm. That is a proper response mm-hmm. to help you in suffering because in prayer, you feel the presence of God that helps. He goes, is life going good? Here's a proper response. Then you should sing praise, mm-hmm. right? Like that's yeah. proper. Yep. If you're sick, and, and I would like to talk about that uh, in a moment, because I sure. think that means something different than it's, it's described there. Um, but if you're feeling this, call people around you, Mm -hmm. call the elders around you and pray. And like, so what he's, is I think explaining is he's saying, if you will follow this pattern, what you will experience is God's supernatural involvement in Mm -hmm. your situation. And that's what we long for in our lives. Sure. That's a great, that's probably the best explanation I think I've ever heard of,
0: of of the whole idea of, yes, it is transactional, but there, there's a level of like, we, it's not the transactions that we think that we experience and Mm -hmm. we think of. So, you mentioned something about the the healing and about being sick. What did you have in mind there?
2: Yeah, so um, one of the things as a teacher that I, I do more and more often now is when I'm studying a passage of scripture, and and I don't fully understand it, or I don't like if even if I've had any tension in my own life of saying like I don't know that I've seen this played out, played out, or whatever. I, I just go and I start studying it more and more. And this is one of those passages that the word sick. If anyone among you sick, I was like. I'm just curious what does that word actually mm-hmm. mean. So I looked at it in the Greek and I was studying it and and almost as many times as it's translated sick, it's translated weak. Mm-hmm. and And so that like really stirred my my thinking. And then later on he says, uh, in, the, uh, in the prayer of the uh, in a prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, in that form, it almost a hundred percent hundred percent of the time means fatigued. So like it seems to be saying what 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 James is saying is if you're weak, sorry, it's back my mic. If you're weak, then call for the brothers, and mm-hmm. elders around you to come and pray for you. And and I'm I'm all for believing that God heals the sick. I that is a conviction of mine. Scripture is clear on that. But in this context, what I I think he's talking about is in light of everything he's just shared. Right. If you are just you're worn out you're fatigued you're going through it maybe even if you've been sinful you've been you've been pulled away by, by sins deceitfulness and you're you know he he's the one James is the one who talks about like how it starts in temptation and then it gives birth mm-hmm. to this and it gives birth to death so like all of this challenge if he's because you're realizing this is the end of his letter I think he's just lovingly saying like so if you're suffering pray if you're in a good season rejoice if you're worn out if you're weak if you're mm-hmm. realizing he goes, so like, let's just call it weakness. Let me read it again now. If anyone among you is weak, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Oil always represented the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. So if you can picture this, a physical thing to do, anointing with oil, inviting the Holy Spirit into this person's life. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? He empowers, You know, mm-hmm. he comforts, he equips. And then he says, in the prayer of faith will save the one who is weak, Mm -hmm. and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So again, it's like that idea that like, yeah, I'm weak. I've been struggling. Mm -hmm. I've been struggling in sin, and and the idea is like this community Mm -hmm. element. So like you confess your sins. He's like, yeah, and God's going to forgive you. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed, and it's like the idea of empowered. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So then he flows right into the prayer of a righteous person has great power and is working and so it, it's the idea of like so who has power the person who is walking in obedience yeah. who's walking in in righteousness and in obedience and so for me as i study this i really do think the context is not simply talking about physical sickness though that can be a part of weakness right i think it's more broad mm-hmm. um it, it's like the idea too of the scripture that says by his stripes we are healed the, the idea of that i think people often think of the healing that you receive is physical healing Mm -hmm. when the punishment that brought us peace was like by his stripes was forgiving us of our sin, Mm -hmm. right? It was the sin sickness Mm -hmm. uh, in our lives. And so again, when I just see this, I just think, man, if you're worn out, if you're struggling, his idea is like call for people around you, Mm -hmm. Christians around you, Mm -hmm. let them pray for you, confess your sins, be honest and open that your sin can play a part in your sickness, Mm -hmm. right? In the sense of like, if I'm making bad choices. So, you know, we talked about earlier about money and stuff. If I'm not honoring God in my finances, let me confess that. Mm-hmm. Because that might be causing problems. If I'm living in a sinful way and hurting my relationships, let me confess that. If I'm doing something destructive, let me confess that. Let's pray for each other. Mm-hmm. And then now that person who's walking in weakness, they're becoming righteous. They're walking in obedience. They become stronger because the Spirit of God is working through them now. And he goes, and that person's prayer, the righteous person's prayer is powerful and effective. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I, that's just when I was reading, I was like, I, I think it's... It covers physical sickness, but it's broader than that. And, and you and I, when we talked about it earlier, you were talking about how this word has like basically three levels to it. I don't know if you want to speak to that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, and I wish I would have. I might actually still have it up here. Let me pull it up real quick. Sorry, just put you there. Right <laughs> That's all right.
2: Um, Chris, can you just break down the Greek
0: real quick for us? <laughs> so, so the word is—it's it, actually a, a different word. It, it's "kamno," c or k a m n o, and it's—it carries these three, like these three definitions or these these three meanings with it. One is to be weary or fatigued. The other is illness or sickness, and the last one is—is is death to die. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when you're when you're reading Greek, when you're when you're thinking about Greek, oftentimes you see the word carries like many connotations or many ways to kind of express that meaning mm-hmm. in English, and not because it has different meaning, um, but because they they all kind of tie together, and it it could be used in a way that um, could mean any one of those mm-hmm. those three mm-hmm. things. It could be to any one of those right. degrees is is what it is, um, and so. I think the context really bears out well for James is talking about persevering under hard times, yeah, persevering right. under uh, persecutions, persevering and and being faithful to Christ in, in missteps. And what do we need in our lives? I I know what I need in my life to do that consistently. And what I love is that God is. I don't know. I, I've I've prayed and asked for physical healing before, and and sometimes it's happened. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. What has never not been answered is the prayer to overcome, tem- when I when I stop and I pray right. for the strength to overcome temptation, mm-hmm. when I stop and ask God to help me be faithful, when I mm-hmm. stop and ask God to um, to to give me the strength to do the things He's asking me to do, mm-hmm. He always provides that yeah. for that time. So.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I, another prayer, that, and I mean this genuinely, that God's never ignored is when I've asked Him to convict me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I'm saying like even in this context, like yeah. if you're saying like, you know what? It's possible that that what I'm experiencing is because of my life, mm-hmm. my sin. Mm-hmm. God, will you show me that? Mm-hmm. God does, and I mean, there have been times, like even in my marriage and other relationships, where I have been so convinced that I'm in the right, and then I prayed, and God's like, "You're not." You guys ever have those moments, and you're <laughs> yep. like, "Oh, yeah, right." Like, oh. But it's like, again, it's just a beautiful thing because we are living in the tension, the tension between what once was in the garden, what will be in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in the garden, there wasn't sickness. In heaven, there won't be sickness. There is now. Yeah. yeah. In the garden, there wasn't sin until there was. There wasn't sin. and in, in eternity, there won't be sin. There's sin now. Yeah. And yeah. so we have moments where we get, we get forgiveness, right? But we still sin. Mm-hmm. We get sickness, and we get healed, but we still get sick again. Right. And it's like, this is the tension. And so I, I love the practicality of James of, like, don't do this alone Mm -hmm. right get the elders so like i think people often think about this in an official status of like or a position of a church like you need to get the elders and i and i'm not against that i think it's it's communicating that but i i don't think it, it goes against the heart of what's being said here Of get solid believers around Mm -hmm. you connect groups yeah connect groups that's exactly what i was going to say is like it it wasn't meant to say like it has to be positional you have to get a pastor to do this you have to get an elder to do it as much as spiritually mature people right and in in their context they would have understood. he's like call for the elders call for the spiritually mature and in our lives like call for those around you let them pray but there has to be an element of genuineness a, a vulnerability where you're willing to share what you're going through and I think one of the most damaging things people can do is to put on a mask mm-hmm. in front of other believers, especially when they're hurting. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to drop that down, be really honest. And he says, like, in the end result is all of a sudden you go from weakness to power. And he right. goes, look at Elijah. I mean, Elijah prayed, and look at what happened. And again, I just think that's, that's our example. 100%. All
0: right, let's close this book off here. Verse nineteen, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. Um, Again, you get this language of transactional. Mm -hmm. But what is the depth of what he's saying here? Like, like, and you describe the transactional part of this really well. Like, if this happens, then this will happen. But, but, what exactly is James saying here? Is he saying that that um, yeah,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll leave the question at that. I'm going to actually push us to Tiff because Tiff does this. One of the things that Tiff has this reputation, <laughs> you know, your reputation. I <laughs> pray for people. You pray for people, right? <laughs> yeah. But what that means is that that's the, and I want you to speak to that in a second, okay. but what that reputation is, people can come to you mm-hmm. with a wrong mindset, right? Mm-hmm. They can come to you jaded, frustrated, hurt, wounded, whatever it might be. And you point them to Jesus, right? It is the idea of saying, like, let me recenter you. Yeah. So speak to that, because that is your reputation, like, on staff.
1: I have nothing else to give to people. I feel like that's where I'm at. Like, I just know that God's going to take care of it, and I can't take care of it. So if somebody's going to come to me with something in order for me to shut my mouth and not say something, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) or say something I shouldn't say, or fall into temptation of, of gossiping with them, I just take it right back to God. I'm like, okay, God's the only one that can fix this, and we have to bring him into this situation. And then I feel like he gives clarity in the middle mm-hmm. of those moments. Um, when you do pray automatically, it's funny because God actually convicted me a couple of years ago. I would like put on Facebook, pray for you, and then I never did it. Right, and sure. he was like, what are you doing? Like, so I was like really purpose, Like when I said that, then I would pray for them right away. And so like, that's what I just started. Like, okay, I, that's all I have to give to people Mm -hmm. on that situation.
2: Yeah. So James here, I mean, it's all in this context. He's like, you call people around you, you confess your sins. And in that, if, Mm -hmm. I mean, what he's talking about, like you picture it, like you call someone, call your friends. And sometimes you're in the position that like, maybe you called me. And I'm in this position, and I have to say to you, you know what, Chris? I don't think you're being fully honest mm-hmm. about this, right? Like, I, I feel like and I have to challenge you, I have to challenge your perspective. I have to point you to, to Christ. And and he's like, Do you know that's true love? I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're willing to do that and to to bring a brother or sister back from heading toward destruction and hurting their lives, bring them back toward life. He's like, that is a wonderful thing. I mean, you think about the opposite. Jesus said, like, if you cause someone to sin, especially right. a child. He's like, it would be better for you to have a weight tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. I mean, like, right. what an yeah. <laughs> awful image. Yeah. And he's going, what's the opposite of that? Is not just not causing them to sin. Mm-hmm. It is helping them pull them from sin to truth. Right. Yeah. And you understand the difference. It's like, I can lead you into temptation. That's bad. But doing nothing mm-hmm. is not good. Right. right. Challenging you toward life is good. And that's what he's talking about, being willing to just save their soul. and And I think at times Christians... They do this poorly because they think the true loving thing to do is just, I'm going to support you no matter what. Yeah. Right. It's like, nope. The loving thing is to go, hey, we're we're believers. We have the same conviction, and your behavior is not lining up with the, the teachings of Jesus. Let me challenge you so that a person can turn so that they can become a righteous person again. Yeah. Great. Great stuff! Thank you guys so much again.
0: Any other closing thoughts before before we close out the book of James?
2: I talked enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was really it was good. great. A lot of good stuff.
1: I liked how you broke down the sick because that made that scripture look way different when it's when it's weary and I mean because we're all weary right now, like in this mm-hmm. world. And I think when you switch it to weary, you're like. Oh, that makes the scripture make more sense. That's why
2: I while think. I was talking and she has in her other notes it printed out and she just crossed out the word sick. She was like
1: and <laughs> weary.
2: <laughs> no, but but that's what I love about scripture. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's like when you when you go a little bit and I wanna be clear, I don't think sick is is a bad translation. I right, think right, right. Right. when right. you understand the word, you go, Oh, I get a better context for right. yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's like for me, like when I read it, I was just like, Ooh, like yeah. this just feels Different to me, like yeah. it just registers differently, and that's why today I, I went and got Chris. And, hey, Chris, <laughs> I, like this is how I'm understanding this. I don't want to take this Bible study in the wrong way, and, and we were able to engage on it. So, uh, but yeah, I always love these Bible studies. Oh, but, yeah, it, it's so important. I, it, like, the fact
0: that that all of us, whether we whether we're facing physical illness or not, we we all need. Mm-hmm. We all need the strength of Jesus every single day and mm-hmm. and
2: and so even, even on our best days. Good. Yeah, yeah even, even on our life best is going days. Good. Uh, I was talking to Phil, uh Pastor Phil earlier. I'm in a super busy season. You know like it the joke here is like, oh next season will slow yeah, down It right. never does it just changes. Um but because I'm helping out, I'm doing uh my normal job and then I'm uh, help co-leading the youth ministry in this season. Um because of that, I'm just like I'm more tired. It is a great, great, great season. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah, one hundred. But I'm I'm basically teaching more now, more leadership stuff, and and I'm like life is good. That's how I feel. Life is good, and I'm tired. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <absolutely>. both ends. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, both ends. And, yeah, both and both so and. I need to keep going to God. And and, and honestly, I, I've even recognized that in my own life, I have to be really purposed to do devotions that aren't tied simply to teaching. And there's nothing wrong with studying scripture right, for teaching. Right. But I'm just saying, like I I need that personal, private time, because there's nothing that refills me like that time. Yeah. And so, yeah, we need to do what's necessary so that we can live out what Christ has called us to.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you both again for being here. And uh, this does wrap up our study of the book of James. Um, so next week, when we when you uh, join the podcast, we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews, which I'm really excited about. One of my favorite books in the Bible. And so we're going to be jumping into that. A lot of a lot of the things that we read about in Deuteronomy, and a lot of things that we uh, we've been studying through that will come out the will come to play in, in our next study in in the book of Hebrews. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that. And I I hope that you'll join us as we, as we begin to break that down through the rest of this year. So, uh, thank you so much for listening and we pray and hope that this is a blessing to your life and encourage your faith and challenge you to go deeper with Christ. and, And we hope that you'll join us again next week. Have a great week.